Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's going on, everyone? Pat Zhang here with State of the Nova Nation, presented by VU Hoops. I would be solo again, except I'm not this time, as Emma is still on Beijing duty because we have an incredibly special guest. I I think even calling him a guest isn't fair because this is his home, in all honesty. On this show, to walk us through UConn and everything coming up next, the great Eugene Repay. Eugene, how are you doing? Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me, Pat. I appreciate the intro, but honestly, this is this is more like Jacoby Brissett coming in <laughs> for Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> and the Patriots, or this is like Matt Flynn going in for Aaron Rodgers. I'm just I'm just the sideshow. I'm no longer the the host anymore. I mean, you guys have been rocking it. I've been enjoying listening to you guys this season, and thank you for having me on today. No, of course. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and thank you for also not saying Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon for the Giants uh, <laughs> experience here. Um, so I, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm a Giants fan, too. And yeah. that's just been a miserable. I don't even know what you want to call it. Turnstile, revolving door, whatever adjective or word you want to use. I like train wreck. I like, I like train oh, wreck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. But how are you doing? What are you up to? Tell everyone how, how things have been. Things have been pretty cool. Still trying to stay busy as always. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm sure you, you get to see a little bit of the day to day, but it's just a little bit of everything for me, just between covering high school sports and the Knicks and literally everything in between. So you can catch me at a wrestling meet one day, <laughs> talking with Jay the next, and then talking with Tibbs and the Knicks on another, and still trying to keep all audiences and followers happy. So just Soaking in as much experience as I can. Looking forward to covering the St. John's game on Tuesday night and just enjoying, obviously, of course, watching the cats, helping out view hoops and listening to you guys. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Of course, if you follow Eugene on Twitter and you absolutely should, you will see just all of the different sporting events that he is there to cover. So always be updated. I love the Iona coverage. Um, and then, of course, oh, that yeah, that too. Yes. Yes. Yeah, how could I forget? Exactly. And then, of course, you know, all, any contributions to VU Hoops is uh, is always really cool. So uh, as people, I'm sure, are not surprised to hear you are very much staying busy. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you know, I, it's funny. I, I started taking an editor gig at Big East Coast Bias, another SB Nation affiliate. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, wow, this this seemed like a good idea before. And now here I am just adding another responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> an endless list is what it feels like. And I'm not the one doing it. I'm just listening to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that that's awesome. But sweet, we could get into it then as we'll start with UConn. Villanova coming away with an 85 to 74 win 
over UConn at Wells Fargo to improve to 17 and 6, 10 and 3 in the Big East. UConn has now not beaten Villanova since 2014. Kind of, you know, put the icing on what was an up and down week for Villanova. I know the the Wednesday night game against Marquette, very frustrating. And that goes past the fact that they lost. It's also in the fact that if you're on the East Coast, it ended after midnight <laughs> our time. But a nice job by, by Nova to bounce back here. And I like to see where, where you want to go with it. But how I would start it, this was the Eric Dixon game. Oh, I'm so glad that you're starting with a positive. I was like, there are many different ways. <laughs> there are. This. There certainly are. <laughs> but yeah, Eric Dixon, monster, monster performance. 24 points, 12 rebound, double, double. He was just a delight to watch, mm-hmm. taking it to that UConn front court. And we know how great UConn is up front. But yeah, it was the Eric Dixon game, without a doubt. Yeah, as you said, there are many ways that we could approach this game. I wanted to start with some positivity because I know Wednesday I night it, Wednesday night wasn't great. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just go in with some good feelings. <laughs> For Eric, as you're saying, you know, career high in points, career high in rebounds. He tied his career high in assists. And what I'm impressed with, with Eric as well, is kind of his ability to bounce back. You know, on Wednesday night, he really wasn't able to get into the game at all. Just two for seven shooting, four points. was uh, Just really wasn't involved in the offense. Comes out, you know, at home against UConn. Scores the 24 points that we talk about. For me as well, against the best center in the Big East, I know we love our Nate Watson at, at Providence, and he's absolutely a stud, but Adama Sanogo is another level in my book with how athletic he is and his ability to step out and the length and just everything about him. For Eric Dixon to go in there and lead the way when Villanova really needed it with Justin Moore being out, I I feel like we're starting to run out of ways to describe how impressed we've been with his development this season. That's a great way to put it. I just feel like every time there's a game, like, wow, if you're not already on the Eric Dixon hype train, please, running out of room, running out of tickets, <laughs> running out of seats. And then he just takes the bar and then raises it even higher with each passing week. That UConn game was amazing. Even after the game, Jay Wright was talking about how Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a hard time handling him last year. And we know mm-hmm. how great JRE was. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Kobe's player of the year. And the fact that he was having a hard time with Eric Dixon, that, that's that's a pretty cool story. It says a lot about both guys, honestly. But um, just for Dixon, you can only hope that, yeah, that was great on Saturday, but you just want to see more and more from him as the season comes along. Yeah, and I, I talked about it er- earlier in the week that this was going to be the big test. I, I wanted to see what Dixon did against – it's more than Sonogo, of course. UConn is so long, and, and they they really have an ability to make things really rough on the inside. And he seemed to pass, you know, every single challenge. I still want to see him work to eliminate some of the hesitancy that he has where, where he'll take a stutter. He sometimes doesn't, I think, realize how good he is, which is funny to say, but you know, he he will, he will stop for a second and and kind of let the game come to him when I'd love to see him attack it a little more. Um, And he still is a little reliant on that left hand, you know, loves to go left every time. I think, you know, you started to see like Marquette kind of key in on that and not let him get those opportunities. Well, UConn did not make any sort of adjustment at all on Saturday, but that's absolutely nitpicking on how we want to see him continue to progress. I mean, the simplest way to put it is Villanova needed someone to step up with Justin Moore out. And we know obviously what happened to Colin Gillespie and we'll get into that very soon. Uh, And, and Dixon was the guy. And for that to be, you know, a, a, a forward, you know, a sophomore like that. It's just, it's so impressive. Oh yeah. He set the tone early. There was definitely a lot of unknowns going in. I know I was uneasy. We're Mm -hmm. talking about betting lines. Then when the Justin Moore news came out, 
I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It might, you know, that UConn plus four looks kind of juicy. It did. But, uh, you know, f- credit to Eric Dixon, credit to the Cats. They punished anyone who doubted them on Saturday. And Dixon just putting up a, a monster game and, and really setting the tone for everyone because it wasn't just him who feasted inside. No. Who would have thought that the Cats would outscore UConn in the paint 46 to 30 that day? Amazing. It, it really is. Uh, and I, I like where you went there and it can go on with that too. Villanova only attempted 11 threes against UConn, it, which <laughs> it's crazy to think about it because even if you joke, just go back a couple days ago against Marquette, they shot 34. Just it, it. Yes, of course, Justin Moore plays into it. The fact that he wasn't available, one of their best three point shooters, but for them to be able to make the kind of strategical shift where they decided they were going to go inside and not only go inside, but go inside against one of the best interior teams, you know, in the big East and take it to them, which they did. That is what I come away with kind of feeling best about is that this Villanova team I've harped on it a lot this season. I don't believe this to be a, you know, a really true shooting three point team. Yes. They've had some good performances uh, over the past month that have really brought up some of the three point numbers, but I think this team's bread and butter is honestly getting in the lane and working everything from two and work and then finding the three point shots that become open rather than a Villanova team that focuses on those threes. And they found a way to do that against UConn, a team that is really not easy to make yourself, you know, may have a huge impact in the lane. And not just that too, on the other end of the court, Mm. UConn did not look comfortable. I was a little surprised with obviously going into the game. You think, wow, this is UConn, one of the top teams in the conferences. You expect this, this, and this, the athleticism, the size, the length. Where was it? (laughs) Where, where was it? No, they held Adama Sinogo scoreless in the first half. Scoreless. That, that's insane. I would never, ever guess that. Of course, they come straight out of halftime and feed him immediately. Uh, the, the fouls didn't help where him and Whaley both picked up two fouls within the first, I think it was even five minutes, and that really broke up um, any sort of rhythm for UConn, and they weren't able to get in any sort of it because they started the game five of 16 um, from, uh, from the field, which is of course just a disaster. And they were never able to really, you know, overcome that until, uh, early in the second half, they closed it to a seven point game. But after that Villanova was able to go on a run and put it away again, before things started to get very uncomfortable, uh, down the stretch. But to your point, I, I expected UConn to really come out firing without Justin Moore, uh, implement themselves down low. And it never happened. And credit to the Cats, too, taking advantage of that UConn early foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Because of that, first off, just Nova getting off to a huge start. They weren't able to do that against Marquette. They really struggled out of the gates from opening tip. I'm sure the takes and the tweets and, and just everyone's thoughts after that Marquette game was Villanova just looked asleep for that 10 p.m. tip-off. Mm-hmm. They were wide awake. That They just pounced all over UConn to start and that's what you love to see I know Nova's a slow start team but when they when they start fast you love to see it It, exactly and I think Nova was able to get a little more comfortable in this game too because UConn does play as one of the slower paces in the conference especially you know we saw what Marquette can do when they are flying up and down the floor It, it can make things or it can really exacerbate some issues for Nova UConn plays more a similar style. And because of that, I think Villanova was able to settle into the game, even though they didn't start hot at all, (laughs) you know, uh, offensively until shots started to fall uh, about, I don't know, five minutes into the game or so. 
but I, I do think the tempo plays a big part of it and them being able to get comfortable. How was it at the Wells Fargo Center? I was, I was pretty jealous. It, it was it, like a great time. It, it was like pretty cool. Time. Yeah, so I, I was there with uh, with one of my buddies from from Nova came down and my dad uh, as well had a, had a great time to do that. It, it was great. I, I thought the atmosphere was a lot of fun. The student section was absolutely packed. You know, at around tip-off, I was looking around and there were certainly some empty seats and I was a little surprised, but a couple minutes into the first half, it filled up really, really quickly. And I, I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere throughout. Of course, you had UConn fans as expected. They travel very, very well, um, but it was great. You know, for, for only three games being at Wells Fargo this year with the NCAAs uh, coming up in March, also being held there, uh, I thought that, that Nova Nation brought it and that was really exciting. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. It's just good to get back. That was my first time there since like February of 2020. So it, it, well, it was good to be back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course, COVID was a thing. But yeah. Yeah, you put it like that, and it really has been a while. I, I think so, um, especially with, you know, the added gravitas, we'll say, of, of UConn coming in, you know, a little different than when Butler was the first game back. I, I can't <laughs> say Butler carries the same uh, a sort of excitement. And it was kind of a, per, you know, on a Saturday, a noon game, it's kind of a perfect storm to, to really get things cooking in there again. It really also helped us get over that Marquette loss. Uh, any way to get over that Marquette loss was, was what we needed. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, so that was fun. I, I talk about Wells Fargo being electric. It did get very, very quiet for a moment. And, and we'll go there because as, as much as I want to focus on the positives, it, it has to be said, you know, talking about the health. Justin Moore, of course, was out, as we've re- referenced a couple times. Colin Gillespie hurt his ankle with about seven minutes to go in the game on a closeout. You know, it, it didn't look good with his reaction on how he was was limping around on the floor. He did, of course, come back out. I would be super positive and just to the moon on this show if that did not happen, because the bottom line would simply be they put up 85 points and beat a really good UConn team without their second best uh, score and player in Justin Moore. But it it feels like everything kind of hangs on the health of Colin Gillespie. Uh, This is the Eric Dixon game. That's how I look at it. But still, he scored 19 points. We know about you know him as the top ball handler. He made four of six threes from Villanova. I talk about how little they attempted. Well, he made basically all of them that were attempted, um, and we're still more awaiting uh, a full report on his health. Those signs look good so far, right, Eugene? Signs do look good. It sounds like his x-ray was negative, but, of course, you never know. I mean, I would imagine it's some sort of sprain. Yeah. We, we will see. We will see. Time will tell. Yeah, that's how I look at it, too. It's really tough to speculate on something like this. And for everyone's uh, references listening, we're recording this on Sunday. So you you might have more information come out on Monday and, of course, leading up to the game on Tuesday night. But it's very difficult to tell uh, what availability is going to be like for that St. John's game. I would lean no just to be conservative. but, and then take it from there. But we all know the impact of Colin Gillespie, so I don't think it has to be harped on. Um, but even with the game that Eric Dixon had, I, I do want the focus to be how good he was yet again uh, in really igniting this offense. As we look at health and talking about guys in health, I think Brandon Slater is looking so much healthier. And, and I, I, it has made a big impact on what this team can do on, on both sides of the floor. 
especially defensively. You know, he's contesting a lot more shots in the lane. He was diving. He had a few diving steals, which was, you know, your attitude place if you want to play into just the easiest uh, layup I can have today. <laughs> um, he's becoming a lot more involved in the offense. Again, this is not uh, November Slater. That was a, a real focal point, but he is becoming a lot more involved in what everything is going on. I'm seeing him attack the rim a little bit more, put up another three that he did make. So that is really promising for me because it felt like Villanova was starting to struggle or starting to struggle. Just Nova wasn't operating at full efficiency while he was out there and very clearly compromised. And it feels like over the past week or so, we're starting to get back a healthy Brandon Slater. Oh, no doubt about that. He's been fun to watch again. I definitely hope that with Gillespie, the ankle injuries that this is the mm. last one. No more Please. after this. Oh, Please. I, we can't do it anymore. Right. Uh, I, I think I had read earlier that there's been Novaz had the wrist debacles from uh, a couple years ago, right. When it was Jermaine Phil Booth. And I, I think I'm forgetting yeah. one uh, as broken well. Hands. Yeah. Broken hand. Exactly. And now this year it's just ankles popping up everywhere. Um, and so <laughs> let's hope we can get through the rest of this season with some help. And, and hopefully Colin is back really quickly and back to everything one more player i wanted to point out before we get to the bench because you know we have oh. to talk about the bench and, and one man in particular I know you're about to go with this and i, I love it I oh love it. i have to touch on caleb daniels yes i i just he's was i thought he was super efficient on saturday uh he filled a role really well for for justin moore which is not an easy role you know to go into with all that justin does i i thought he was super physical both on offense and defense. He didn't get into foul trouble, which is really important, and they could not afford that. And that was before Gillespie got injured as well. Caleb, we talk about it, the slings and arrows that he had earlier in the season, still struggling to to really find his own. He has become such a key player for this Villanova rotation. And yes, it is normally as the sixth man, but he had to do something different on Saturday, and I thought he did it really well. Yeah, shout-outs to Caleb Daniels. I've been kind of on the hype train ever since that Syracuse game, around that time mm. of year. He's been really picking it up ever since he started getting comfortable in the rotation and just kind of getting his likes back under him. This guy deserves so much credit. Just between getting COVID twice, yep, myocarditis, which I, I can't even imagine as an athlete no. what that must feel like to get that diagnosis. This guy had a starter role last year, gets relegated to the bench, just owns the six-man role, has played well as an energy guy, comes in on Saturday, steps in for Justin Moore. Awesome stuff from Caleb Daniels. It, it really was. And I, I think they're probably going to need a little him to continue, you know, on that that train because I don't fully trust either Colin to be fully healthy on Tuesday or, or maybe Justin as well because we really don't know the full extent there. But what we've seen lately is that Caleb has shown that he can – very adequately adequately might not even be fair to him you know very well filled that slot and i'm super impressed with him as well yeah and if you haven't read it mike jensen had a great great article great profile on caleb daniels beat me to the punch mm. but it was such a great story uh, i highly recommend it was in the philadelphia Inquirer. i think it came out last week so that sounds familiar yeah Jen- jensen's so good so uh and uh, obviously cool to to spot like caleb because he deserves it and then we move to the bench because you, you know we had to have this conversation. Um, uh, of course, things were a little short with Justin being out. Rotation, of course, is going to change a little bit. We just talked about Caleb Daniel slotting in as a starter. So that leaves you with Brian Antoine, Jordan Longino, and Chris Archidiacono. And of the three, 
I cannot say I would have guessed this was going to be the minutes distribution going in, (laughs) (laughs) but Chris ended up logging 26 minutes, Jordan and Brian, six minutes each. We'll start on Chris. I I do want to touch on, on Brian and Jordan really quick as well, but start on Chris, you know, the man that was seemingly removed from this rotation, just what, 10 days ago is back. back. Is back and is playing almost 30 minutes in that game. I definitely think he made an impact. You know, it was, it was his first uh, two pointer since the Howard game on November 16th. He made his first three since the St. Joseph's game on December 4th. Uh, just to kind of show you the struggles that it had been, but also nice to see him getting in there. I thought I did think he earned minutes with his defensive play. He slotted in nicely in a zone that Villanova really trotted out there a lot, and it gave UConn a ton of issues. Um, 26 minutes is a lot, uh, and I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I want to see that going forward. I don't – he played well. I'll, I'll leave it at that. He played fine. Um, I'm interested to see what you think before I go any further. <laughs> you want to call this the Dixon game? What about the Chris Arch game? Oh. Career high. Let's go. Nine oh, points, I've heard that. Two, two for two, one for one from deep, four for four from the stripe. Let's go. Career game for Chris Arch. I mean, why did why didn't we open with that? I can't believe I started <laughs> with Eric Dixon. <laughs> no, it, listen, I I don't want to. I don't want it to be negative because I was impressed. I the we what we saw as I stumble over my words because I'm trying to figure out how to put the package this. Um, what we saw was the ball was in his hands a little more often, and a guy that normally doesn't turn the ball over did have four turnovers, and I think looked a little flustered as UConn really turned up the heat in that that full court press. I mean, I can't get the image of him throwing the inbounding pass straight to Tyrese Martin, <laughs> who gives it to RJ Cole for the three out of my head. Um, but what Chris did is he stepped in when this team really needed someone to come in. As you said, he did make a three. He did make a layup. He has always been very good from the free throw line. He did that as well. I cannot fully give my trust in there for him to be able to play 20 plus minutes a game, but they needed someone to step in and he did the job on Saturday. He definitely did do the job. I think one of my last episodes on the show, I think I said, never count out an R2 Diacono. Mm. And here I am again on this day in February. You, I guess you really can't count out an R2 Diacono. He did his job. Yep. He managed the game when Nova was up. And then when UConn was trying to rally in the second half, he definitely did look a little flustered. But with such a, a big lead and such a big gap for UConn to overcome, I think it was fine, and mm-hmm. he did play well. You know, I, I know the 26 minutes was definitely a surprise, but he, he did well. He did well. He needs, he needs some credit. I know I, he's kind of been the punching bag. For he has people. been. Yeah, no, no, he has been. I don't think it's fair for him to, to be a punching bag because you're right. I think people do go to it uh, too much. I also do think it could be a little difficult for him and, and why I think we saw him start to struggle a little bit to, you know, to fully be able to get into that rhythm, because this is a guy, remember, as I just said, was out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, the minutes have started to ramp up a little bit lately, you know, 13 and seven. But before that, it was three, zero, five, one. And to get in then with 26 and a high intensity game against a really good UConn team, that's got to be hard to adjust, especially then when your leader, Colin Gillespie, goes down and you're going to go in and be the main ball handler. It, it's not an easy job for him to step into. So I, I think, you know, you if say Colin is out on Tuesday, which we don't know. 
I'd expect actually even a, you know, to feel more comfortable with him because he'll be prepared to really go in on that role. It's hard to do that on the fly against a, a team as good as UConn. One thing I've noticed about Archie Diakno, and I feel like he gets the concepts. He's a gamer. Mm. For example, when he got thrown in at the dunk during that late season surge after Gillespie got injured, uh, sustained his leg injury, he, he handled the pressure pretty well. Granted, yeah. he's not as athletic as other people, but he understands the concepts. He understands the system. He can take care of the ball. Yeah, he had four turnovers on Saturday. Hopefully that's an outlier. Mm. But you, I could see why Jay values someone like him. Yep. You know, he, he does understand what, what the concepts are, what Nova's trying to do, schemes and things. I am very curious for the St. John's game just because you know St. John's can come mm-hmm. at you all angles, 40 minutes of hell, this and that. And I don't know how he's going to handle that, especially when he was struggling a little bit against UConn towards the end there. Yeah, it's fair. that It's it's so hard to diagnose. It is. I do want to give him his props for for when he was able to come in and the impact he, he was able to have. I think I love how you approached it with, I do think he understands the system. And I think that's so important. And that is why Jay values him. He can just be let down by some quickness and athleticism at time, which, you know, it's tough to kill a guy for that. So uh, I, I totally see it. And I do think, you know, no matter what happens, he's going to play a role on Tuesday night because Jay has shown, as you said, time and time again, that he will go back to him because there is a trust there. Yeah. And I know a lot of people torch him about his defensive abilities and this and that he's in the right places when he plays. It's just, you know, someone's quicker than him. He can't really help it. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. That's why I really like the zone on Saturday, because I yeah, think especially for him, it was able, it was a lot easier for him to just care, uh, work about or worry about covering an area rather than just a full on, you know, one-on-one man-to-man defense type thing. So maybe we'll see that more on Tuesday as well, actually. That'll be interesting to see. One thing I can say, though, is after that game, that UConn game on Saturday, Jay Wright did say, someone asked him flat mm-hmm. out, is Chris Arch going to start if Colin Gillespie is unavailable? And he said, definitely. So <laughs> just, we're ready. Brace yourselves. Get get prepared. Brace yourselves. Going against the Red Storm at MSG. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's put our trust in him and see how it goes. But, of course, Colin could play. We just don't know yet. <laughs> but sweet i did uh, like those longino movement minutes though I yes say. no i i nice. any anytime he gets in i'm happy i i do think jordan and brian struggled and that's why it was only six minutes because our, jay has earned a little bit more where i think he's showing he'll be open to playing both antoine and longino it, it felt like on, on offense things were a little disjointed i know longino actually did get beat on defense uh, for antoine it, it's difficult you know just still coming off the ankle injury so that that's why I think you saw them only play the six minutes, but you know, as we go into Tuesday, possibly being down, it's hard to trust Chris to you know, again, log 26 minutes and play so little from Antoine and Longino, but any sort of development there is still a good thing kind of in my book, as you were saying. The V hoops comment section might have me eating my words, but I will say, Never count out an RTD Akina. So I got to say, going into Tuesday. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to hit on the UConn game? Did you get crab fries? Oh, of course I did. Come on. <laughs> 100% yes. would never miss an opportunity to get crab fries. That's that's what I love to hear. That's all I wanted. To, that's all. That's all I have. Hey, by the way, Chickies and Pizza is at the pavilion now. 
as well. That's new. Oh my god. Yeah, that I feel like that was added like very very recently. But I looked down to that lower level, and there is now a Chickies and Pete's down there. So uh, now, if when yeah, you say very recently, do you mean midway through this season? Or yes, through the before? season. It was oh, not okay. there that opening game when you were when you uh, covered it. Oh my god! Everything good happens when I leave. Yeah, I say you got to come back now. <laughs> <laughs> my my friend recently moved to Philadelphia, and and he was asking me because he was at Wells Fargo uh see the Sixers and he was just like oh man what, what should I get like should I get a cheese thing like, yeah I get that but definitely get chickies and peas yeah. crab fries there's one place there's to mine. go yep so good it has to be done every single time and I think I've actually done it every single time I've gone to Wells Fargo <laughs> but that's Wells Fargo we transitioned then to another big arena in another big city with Villanova taking on the Red Storm on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden the second of and FS1 Double header St. John sitting at 13 and nine, five and six in the conference. They are currently on a two game winning streak. It is over Georgetown and Butler, but Hey, wins still count the same uh, Four, they're now up to four out of five at home for what's coming up next for them. And what is an absolutely critical stretch for what has been an underperforming St. John's team. They don't really have a true quality win this season. Yes. They've beaten Seton hall, but that's a little bit input on what I truly think of Seton Hall coming up for them. <laughs> Villanova, of course, on Tuesday, Connecticut, Xavier, Butler, and Creighton. So those first three, Nova, Creighton, Nova, Connecticut, and Xavier, chances for some really big scalps that, that, that St. John just desperately needs. So I, I think they're going to give everything on Tuesday night and expect, as you said, 40 minutes of hell to be in full effect. Yeah, and it's one of those rematches, too. I'm sure they're going to be extra fired up after losing at the Finn mm. the way that they did to the Cats. I know that the final score ended up being relatively close, but that game was not not as close as the box score indicated. And just for St. John's, they finally have some winning momentum again, so I, I would not take them lightly. No, I wouldn't at all. I, I think they're going to come out with everything. And on top of it, too, I, I call this the variable game is how I'm thinking about this because there are so many moving parts here. You know, does Justin Moore play? Does Colin Gillespie play? And what version of St. John's comes out there on Tuesday night, which I'm not, even, I'm not even sure St. John's knows what version of St. John's is coming out there on Tuesday night. This is going to be a different Red Storm team than we saw on, uh, you know, very recently at the Finneran Pavilion. Champagny was in in the middle of what was just a brutal shooting stretch for him, where in a four game stretch, he scored nine points, five points, nine points and eight points. The last two games, 27 and 21. He's back to performing like the Julian Champagny we are very much used to. Same with Posh Alexander as well, who was really struggling. Uh, and Villanova held him in check. I think he was only two for seven from two, which is where he does most of his damage from in the next three games. He went 13 for 17 and five for nine twice from two. So posh and champagne starting to cook again. That makes St. John's a lot more dangerous than the team that we saw just a couple weeks ago. And that was one of the biggest question marks going in with St. John's entering the season. They had a lot of guys move in and out transfers, freshmen, et cetera, et cetera. But were those two good enough to lift St. John's to that next level? And unfortunately, we've seen the results <laughs> of that when you kind of rely on just two guys to really carry or run the show. It's pretty much a mixed bag up and down season, especially through Big East play. So that's the thing with St. John's. You know, they do have the playmakers. We know those two are incredibly talented, but you put it perfectly, Pat. Which version are we going to see? No idea. Not, no not idea. a clue. 
absolutely no clue. But that's what makes the St. John's game so fun. Every time that uh, that and, Villanova and they run it. at that pace, which yes. is so much fun to watch. Offensively and defensively, it is it's crazy. It's hectic. That's how the Johnnies like it. So uh, Tuesday night will be a big one. The one that I look at, as you say, you know, everything focuses on Champagne and Posh. Aaron Wheeler has been so good for them this season. The Purdue transfer. In, he has double digits in points in nine out of his last 10 games. And I'll bet you, you can guess the one game where he did not reach double digits. Nepal. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, it was definitely, it was definitely Nova. Exactly. It was of course the Villanova game at the Finneran pavilion. So I would expect Wheeler to, to play a big role for them as well. Just, he's been you know, so integral in everything they do. I say, I kind of look at this game in two ways. I look at it with Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie. I look for Villanova to try and kind of exploit that experience that they have in the system, really slow things down because the St. John's team can be emotional and can get dragged into being frustrated and just wear them down and, and you know, make them exert that energy, run over the floor, use that ball movement and, and take advantage in the final 10 minutes. If they are without the guards, I look at it like this. Just feed that ball to Eric Dixon and play the game through the post. You know, I I would hope to see some movement around the three-point line to try to supplement him that he can kick out to and cutters from Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater get into the lane. But I want Eric Dixon to be the focal point of this offense if both guards aren't able to play. But again, it is so hard to be able to do a full preview because we have no idea who is truly going to be healthy for this game. Yeah, and the other point I wanted to bring up about this game going in is when Villanova played St. John's the last time out, one thing that was just so great to see is that Nova took great care of the ball. They only mm-hmm. turned it over 11 times. As we saw last year and even years past, Villanova can win, but they would turn the ball over a lot. And to the St. John's team, this that's like currency. That's fuel. <laughs> that's That fuels their machine, and that that's exactly what they want. The fact that Villanova took great care of the ball the last time out, yeah, it was at the Finn, home court advantage, this and that. But that was a very promising stat. Now, when you take out Gillespie and Moore, I don't know if we're still going to see that same type of ball security, but we will see. We will see. And you nailed it because that's what the concern is because Villanova had 14 turnovers on Saturday. 13 of them came from people not named Colin Gillespie. So, you know, it, add that extra element in there where the backcourt could be, uh, you know, a little different than what we're used to seeing on top of the pressure that St. John's brings. And I think they're really going to ratchet it up because that is going to be their opportunity to exploit Villanova is if those main guards are not in, try and force those turnovers, get in the lane, run with tempo points off of turnovers is is something that the Johnnies do pretty well. So I I love that point there because I think that's exactly what Nova is going to see on Tuesday night. What's your prediction, Pat? Whew. So, as I said, so difficult without the guards uh, or without knowing, I should say, because we don't know if the guards will be playing. I still think Villanova gets it done because I cannot trust the consistency of St. John's and they have kind of shown time and time again, they have not been able to get it over the line against some of the better teams. So I say Nova does finish this thing out. Look for Brandon Slater to have a big game on Tuesday night. Brandon Slater. I like it. I like what about it. you. I, so on paper, obviously, Nova is the favorite. I think even without Gillespie, or well, yeah, even without Gillespie, I would, I would still say that, but you never know. You never know with these things, especially with St. John's. I do think the Wildcats will win. I think Chris Archidiakno, hopefully, God willing, will uh, handle the game well. Mm. All we need, the, the key stat aren't his points, it's just him 
it's his assist to turnover ratio, which yeah. is I, I kind of chuckled to myself because that's all the view hoops comment section talked about with Ryan <laughs> back in the day. He's like, oh, Ryan only scored four points because he only took two shots, but look at his assist to turnover ratio. Um, but no, it, you know, jokes aside, um, I, I would love to see how Chris Archidiakono handles this kind of pressure, this kind of intensity from an opponent on both ends of the court. And if he can, if he can handle it and just keep those turnovers down, that's all you need from him. The buckets, they'll come from somebody else, whoever mm-hmm. they may be. I'm feeling a big game from Caleb Daniels. Oh, I love that. Right uh, train. I mean, I guess the question now, as we talk about the Eric Dixon game, uh, come Tuesday night, will this be the Chris Archdiakono game? I thought we already had. <laughs> no, no. Um, Part two. I, the, the, the sequel, yeah. Uh, no, I. You know, as much as I, I like Archie's performance on Saturday, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he would surpass his scoring load, but hey, you know, I guess you, you can you can't count out an Archie Diakno. Yeah, there so you I go. Won't pass him. I Just, won't put it past him. That's the company line now at this point. You can't count out a, a, an Archie Diakno. No, I, I I like where he went with Caleb Daniels. I think if someone is going to explode on Tuesday, he is certainly one of the guys that would be primed to be able to do it. He's he's been due for the spotlight. He's been mm-hmm. this guy deserves it. He, deserves he does. It. No, he he's a stud. So I, I'm really glad to see where he's been and we'll see if it continues then on Tuesday, but that'll lead us into, you know, one more segment here as we look around the big East, you know, kind of just looking back first Seton hall, put an absolute beat down on Creighton on Friday night with the, their bench really uh, giving them a lot of pop, which is really important for Seton hall. Cause they've been struggling as well. Bryce Aiken has still recovered from this concussion. So to see them really go out there and, and, they didn't have any issue getting past Creighton, a team that can come out, you know, and be, be up and down. That's a big win for Seton Hall to try to get back on track. Yeah, that was a surprising one. What they start out with, with a 21 to three run or something like I that think in so. the first 10 minutes. Insane. That, it, totally unexpected. It was, but, I think the score was 40 to 16 at one point. Yeah. Was, at, the, at the half, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, it was wild. It, it, and for, for Seton Hall, you know, again, this is a big stretch for them as well. So they just played Creighton. They've got Xavier Nova and UConn as their next three games here, you know, that they've kind of been up and down in conference, you know, what they've lost that just brutal game to DePaul, the seemingly nine hour game in, <laughs> in, in early January, you know, they, they dropped that game to St. John's Seton Hall kind of needs to get back on track. And this is a big stretch for them. Yeah. Without a doubt. And you already know that Villanova Seton Hall game to them. That's mm-hmm. like the Super Bowl. Yes. Oh, it's on Super, Super Bowl weekend. Actually. I would say yeah. you, you oh, nailed yeah. it. Oh my God. You planned that one. <laughs> no, no. I just stumbled upon that. I just tripped over myself and the broom hit me in my face. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, you know, going to a team, we just talked about how St. John's can be so inconsistent. Another team that is really just baffles me is Xavier. Um, and what we've seen for them, because I look at this team and I look at this roster and I see a team that should be so good and competing at the top of the conference. They're six and five in conference right now. They're 26th in Ken Palm ranking, which shows how much the analytics really like them. And on Saturday, the same day as the Villanova UConn game, they found a way to lose to DePaul at home. Make that make sense. Yeah, you never want to lose to DePaul. Shout-outs to DePaul, though. They widened the gap between them and Georgetown <laughs> for the bottom of the conference. And Brendan Riley, I think he might be right. Shout-outs to Brendan. You know, I told him going into Big East play, I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, we always say, oh, is this year DePaul turns a corner, this and that. Well, it wasn't the world beaters or middle of pack as we would have hoped, but they aren't last place, as Brendan bet on. So, shout-outs to Brendan. Right now, so far, DePaul is not in last. 
But regarding Xavier, yeah, what's what's up with that? I mean, they had such a great non-conference performance. And then once Biggie's play started, it's really been up and down. I guess this just goes to show, even though you bring back all these quality players and everyone's a year older and wiser, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone will be better the next year. And I, I think that's what we're seeing. Today. It's a great point. Yeah. No, it's a great point because I expect a lot of progression out of them and it just, it clearly hasn't happened. And I, I cannot believe they have not found a way to be more consistent. I, I mean, I read you the Ken Palm rankings, the, the analytics are still kind to them, but it just, it feels like they haven't been able to put it all together. A huge game for Brendan's bet though, coming up as DePaul plays Georgetown on Wednesday. So they can't, can't drop that game to the Hoyas, a team that has lost 11 in a row if they want to continue to stay out of the cellar. <laughs> Yeah, I know Georgetown got hit with COVID, and, and that was definitely tough. And even Patrick Ewing himself was out mm. for a little bit. But 0-10 for Georgetown, 6-15 overall, not the best. Not it's, the best. It's been rough. Uh, that, that is for sure. And then there's one more game I, I wanted to look at this week. It's the game that's actually before the Villanova-St. John's game on Tuesday night. Marquette takes on UConn in a game that I am so excited to watch, you know, as we just talked about with UConn, UConn's in a, a little bit of a funk right now. They did not come out strong against Villanova. They had dropped to Creighton uh, earlier in the week on Tuesday as well. You know, if they want to be able to keep pace with Villanova, with Providence, that just will not lose a game right now. Um, (laughs) This is really key. And they're going up against Marquette, a team that, of course, Villanova just saw this past week that also just continues to win. So it's a contrasting styles where Marquette is that in your face, really high temple. UConn is a slower, as we were talking about before, more like Villanova. I'm pumped to see this game. Yeah, but it's going to be a great doubleheader for Villanova fans and just Big East fans in general on Tuesday. This game will be awesome. 6.30, I believe, right? And then yes. the next game, day 30? Yeah. Yep. No, it, it, and what's cool about this, too, is these two teams played in very, you know, mid-December, early on in the Big East season, and, and UConn got past Marquette, but this isn't even close to the same Marquette team. No. That, yeah. that UConn played in, uh, I think it was like December 20th or December 21st, somewhere around there. Um, so I, the rematch here, I think, is just so intriguing. And again, I keep saying, let me see what Marquette does against these you know bigger teams in the Big East. And they come out with a sweep against Villanova, beat Xavier, beat Seton Hall, almost got past Providence. And here they are with, with Connecticut again. So it's such a big test for both these teams. Marquette to continue to prove it and UConn to try to get back on track. We've got some good Big East games this week. Yeah, this Tuesday game for Marquette and UConn will definitely be very telling for both. UConn especially, you lost back-to-back games. You want to get back on track. But so far in conference, who have they beaten? Georgetown, DePaul, Butler twice, St. John's. Like, you need that marquee win. You need that marquee win. And and this would be a big chance for them. Without a doubt. So I'm very excited to watch that game. Uh, And then otherwise, the show will be back on uh, on Thursday and we'll, we'll look around the Big East again. But whoa, 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 Pat, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, sweep what happened last week under the carpet. Uh, that was my plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm down for that too. You know, that game felt like an eternity ago. Now, if Villanova put up a stinker on Saturday, I'd be like, okay. Yes, yeah. no, I was just I was focused on more the up of the UConn uh, and you know, also just the the days by. But if you want to touch on anything with Marquette, please be my guest evil place horrible place it really is Pfizer <laughs> is so tough um, and then the team of course gets stranded there an extra day like I, of, just adding to the problems of Wednesday night uh, yeah I, w- <laughs> thinking back to that game 
Um, the thing I center around is again, like Justin Lewis has a chance to win Big East Player of the Year. I I cannot believe the season that he has put together. And for Marquette, it really is about trying to find other scoring options, and they got it in bunches with uh, with Kolek and Marcel. And Villanova, you know, it just Justin Moore, when when he's off, it can be difficult for this team to have the offensive display, especially when Eric Dixon was down too. it's funny saying that after they just put up 85 with Justin Moore being out, but it's tough for them to recover from a two for 11 shooting night and a night where he doesn't hit any from beyond the arc. Yeah, Nova just didn't start well in that game. But to see them am- make amends to that against UConn, that to me just made up for it. And we're gonna we're gonna see them again, hopefully mm. down the line in the in the you know wherever it'll be. Show we'll, we'll get another chance. We'll get another chance. I, I think so, and I can say on Marquette too. I was dead wrong when I looked at this team going into the season. I didn't know where they were going to get scoring from. I thought this was going to be a building year for Shaka, where they just start to put some of the foundation in place. They are so past that already, and it is so impressive to watch. And honestly, they're fun to watch when it's not against Villanova. <laughs> yeah, anybody else, anybody else, it's okay. Exactly. And then, of course, we're glad that Nova was able to make it home <laughs> after being stranded there because that was a big part of it as well. And we are glad that Justin Moore's injury was not as bad as it first looked because anytime you go down awkwardly or go down hard like that, you definitely feel a little bit of anxiety, but Jay Wright's very hopeful for his status on Tuesday. Said he probably could have played against UConn, so mm. you like to see it. You like That's to see it. Good sign. Yeah. You always hold your breath there. So how'd it feel to be back on the show? Weird, but I like it. I like it. You know, I'm just here for the ride. Just, just kind of reacting, not really planning and and putting things together. But uh, thank you so much for hosting. I mean, you and I have been killing it. It's just been such a delight listening to you guys uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, and to just be back on it, kind of, kind of weird, but I like it. I like it. It was oh. fun. Well, first off, thank you. And second of all, I, we were thrilled or I was thrilled, you know, once, it, you know, talking about getting you back on, this was so much fun. Uh, it, it was, it was great to have you on. And of course we, we always appreciate your support, try to make you and Chris proud. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Hey, you guys are very surpassed us, I think in, in so many different ways, but just for you, I, I you know, shout out to Emma killing it with the Olympics. Yes. Like that's obviously exciting, but for you to, to do that show solo, that first episode without Emma, and I know you still got a few more until she's back eligible for the show, but uh, yeah, you know, I definitely, definitely am glad that you're able to have me on and, and just kind of help out a little bit as you get through these next four or five episodes. Yeah. Thank so you. No, nope. something like that. Yeah. We're, we're plugging along and it'll be all good. I still got everyone covered. We're still going to have some fun talking Villanova hoops and, uh, and we'll keep it going. So no, it's, it's all good, but seriously, Eugene, thank you so much for coming on that will do it for us here on the state of the nova nation presented by vu hoops be sure to check out vu hoops for the marquette recap and it'll get you or marquette recap well you can read that one too (laughs) as well as the yukon recap and get you ready for saint john's on tuesday night make sure you subscribe leave a rating and follow us on twitter at s-o-n-n pod i will talk to everyone on thursday enjoy the saint john's game if you're going to the garden have a great time and nova nation That's a wrap. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.